you were here last week, then man, didn't Dr. T crush it? Uh, leave it up for Dr. T. So thankful for his voice in this church. And uh, you got free counseling last week. It's what you got. <laughs> like you, you, your offering should be bigger today because you got free counseling last week. Uh, but without being uh, redundant, too redundant here, I just want to introduce our guest speaker today, uh, Isaac Frere, coming all the way from Tampa, Florida. He's an orchard church planner. Can you give it up for Isaac? Yes, 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 yes. All right. What's up, Trace family? How are you guys doing? It's so good to see you all. Um, I'm calling y'all family. Is that all right? Is it okay if we do that? I mean, the scriptures tell us that we are all the family of God, does it not? And so, yeah, we, have, we might have different mothers, but we got the same heavenly father. And I'm just glad to be here and just to share a few thoughts with you all. Truly appreciate uh, Trace Church. Aaron, we, we had, so we had uh, dinner last night. And I mean, this man gave me a master class in church planting in like, I don't know what, an hour? I probably got a good, like, he, he probably saved me like four weeks of trouble, of pain and suffering. So just for that alone, it was worth the dinner. So I'm so glad it was worth the trip already. I already got all I needed to get. So hopefully I can pour out on you what the Lord has imparted on me uh, today. If you can, go ahead and turn your Bibles to, um, to Ecclesiastes chapter one. Um, and, and, and really what I intend to do today is to continue to contribute to uh, the conversation um, of, about breaking the cycles. Breaking the cycle. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines a cycle as such. It defines a cycle as an interval of time during which a sequence of recurring succession of events or phenomena is completed. But it's the second definition that I like. Because the second definition says this. It says that a cycle is a course or series of events or operations that recur regularly, and get this now, and usually lead back to the starting point. Cycles are cyclical in nature. They're like circles. And like circles, you can navigate through a circle, but you'll always end up in the same place. No matter how fast you move, no matter how motivated you are, no matter how tenacious, how determined you are, if you're in a circle and you navigate through it, you're gonna end up in the same spot. And for many of us here, we know what that looks like. We know that in our lives we face what we would call behavioral cycles. And what I would call behavioral cycles are simply frameworks, frameworks of thought. They're derived from this circular idea, or this circular framework of thought or action, and we've employed it over and over again, be it intentionally or unintentionally, and as a result, we find ourselves in the, in the same place. Circles, cycles. And I find that there are two particular uh, or peculiar observations about cycles. First one is this, is that if someone draws a perfect circle, I don't know if anybody knows how to do that because I can't. Whenever I draw a circle, there's always like a notch somewhere in the circle, so you can always see where it starts. But if anyone were to draw a perfect circle and they showed you the picture, you couldn't tell them where they actually started. And for many of us that find ourselves in cycles, circles of behaviors, someone who comes into it may not actually see the root or the origin for where it came from. 
And if you find yourself in a cycle for long enough, and you do it for long enough, even you may find difficulty determining where that cycle has begun. So today, what I want to do is simply talk into that for a moment. And, and really, as I contribute to the conversation of breaking the cycle, what I really want to talk about is actually breaking that framework of thought, breaking that framework of mind. Yes, we are renewed in our mind, but Ephesians chapter 4, the letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says to them, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is, that we ought to be renewed in the framework or the cycle of our mind, that we are to be renewed in our mindset because, again, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So today we want to talk into that. We want to talk into how we can break cycles, and I pray that this moment that we spend together will be beneficial to you. So where do we start? Well, we start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And this is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. He says this. He says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task that God has given the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart saying, look, I have attained greatness and I've gained wisdom more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this is also grasping for the wind. For in, that, for in much wisdom, he says, is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. If I were to come up with a title for today's message, I'm changing it right now, media guy. <laughs> Trust me, my media team hates me for this. Like, oh, there he goes again, following the spirit of God. <laughs> It'd be chasing wind. The cycle of chasing wind the nothingness of wind. Let's pray. Father, I ask, even in this moment, as we engage in your word, Father, I pray that you would bless this moment. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would breathe into this moment, Lord God, that even as I share this message today, Lord, let it not be one that falls on deaf ears. But Father, I just pray that, Lord, someone would be inspired to know who you are today, to rely upon you and to, to trust in you and depend on you, Father. Lord, we want to know you more today and to know you better today. And I pray, Lord, that as we begin to know who you are, Lord, that you would, Lord, loose the chains, Lord, that hold us down, that keep us in cycles. And I pray, Lord, that as we navigate through this message, let us know that we have been given the authority and the power to overcome the cycles that oppress us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The book of Ecclesiastes is not for the faint of heart, okay? If you microscopically read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you like you read in, you know, in one spot on the wrong day, you will question your very existence on the earth. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll have literally existential questions like, what's the point? Like, I don't know if anybody, has anybody read through Ecclesiastes? Like, if you read, and if you read at the wrong spot, you're like, man, I'm done with all this, man. Just, I quit. I just quit everything. You'll find yourself asking questions like, why am I here? Why do I exist? What's the point of all of this? Why does any of this matter? We begin to question the meaning of our own existence and our purpose. And the reality is that where the author sometimes positions us in this text is really where I've found myself in the earlier phases of my life, in late adolescence and early adulthood. I was the guy who questioned his purpose, who questioned his existence, and at one point didn't want to exist anymore. It'd be weird to say that because Say, well, I'm doing pretty well for myself. Got out of high school, went to my dream college. Anybody from the University of Miami here? Any UM fans? Okay, Jesus still loves all of y'all. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. He still loves you. Um, you know, I say that, you know. He's, he has grace for the others, um, and it's okay. But I'm a diehard Canes fan. I love the Canes. Love the Miami Hurricanes. I wanted to go to college there. I ended up going to college there. I ended up getting my bachelor's degree there. Got my bachelor's degree in mathematics, physics, and economics. Seems pretty cool. No, it's not cool at all. It's like the opposite of cool, right? No, you're a nerd. Okay, um, you're, you're not cool at all. So then I said, okay, well, I, but I also want to do the cool thing as well because around that time was when I got heavily involved in the hip-hop scene. I became a record producer. And as I'm producing for some, some of the most famous rappers and artists in the R&B and hip-hop world, you would say that I was winning. I had platinum plaques, gold plaques. I'm doing pretty good for myself. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. And of course, on the side, I decided to get my master's degree and my PhD in economics. And even in the midst of all of that, I found myself purposeless. Lost. I didn't get it because five years prior when I was broke and ashy, y'all know what ashy means, right? That's a, that's a black thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll talk about that later. All right. Um, so five years prior to this when I was broke and ashy, I said to myself, all right, what I need to do in order to be fulfilled in order to be happy is I need to make money and, and I need to get lots of girls. And you know what, I, I wanna work with famous people and I want people to know that, you know, that, that, I, that I'm capable and, and that, I'm, that I'm intelligent and that I'm, that I'm brilliant and, and I want people to affirm me and, and to, to love me and to, to celebrate me. These were the things that I told myself because at the core of it all, I wanted my life to matter. And for many of us here, if you dig deep down inside, we've all in some form or another have told ourselves that every person wants their life to matter. 
There's not a single person on this planet who says, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be unfulfilled. You know, when I grow up, I just want to be a loser. Yeah, that's it. I, I don't want to do anything, you know, I just want to kind of just exist. No one actually ever says that. People want their lives to mean something. They, they want their lives to matter. And for most of us, we have written narratives and stories about what needs to transpire in order for our lives to matter. Somewhere deep down in our soul, we, we, we've, we've created a story. We've told ourselves, this is what we need in order for our lives to be fulfilled. And, and, and it comes in, in one form or another, but, but it all has a, a common denominator. And this common denominator is, my life will be fulfilled if fill in the blank. Or I'll be happy if fill in the blank. Or my life will matter if fill in the blank. And there's some root idols in us that brew up when we find how we go about filling in that blank. How we actually complete that sentence. Because for some of us, it's actually affirmation. We'll say to ourselves, my life will matter if people will like me. Like if people love me, then my life will matter. Or, or some of us will say, my life will matter if life is fun and enjoyable. And so comfort becomes the thing that, that, that centers our lives. Or for some of us, it's approval. You know, my life will matter if I can prove myself, right? If I can show myself to be capable. And so what do we do? We chase accolades, right? We chase promotions because we want to prove that we are capable, and we've told ourselves, the moment that I prove myself to be capable, that's when I will experience meaning, fulfillment, and purpose. For some of us, it's power. Like, my life will matter when I can actually influence people and influence culture. If we can all admit here, we've all said it in some form or another, right? We, we've all told ourselves that, Right? But if we read through this book, if we read through Ecclesiastes, we read a letter with the wisdom of a man who probably had all those things. In Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse one, the author opens up with the words of a preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now I'll just throw this to the side here real quick. There's, there's theological debate over who wrote this book. Okay, some will say Solomon wrote it, but here's what we can take at least. We know that the author is writing it with Solomon in mind. The author is writing, drawing from the wisdom and the insight of Solomon, who was the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And there's anything you need to know about Solomon is all he did was win, 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 no matter what. Oh, I love this place already. Oh, yeah, I'm going to like this. All right, good, good, good. I'm at home now. Oh, you're family. Y'all got that. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Solomon was a winner. He was considered the wealthiest man of his time. Arguably one of the wealthiest men of all time. Solomon was world-renowned for his wisdom. So much so that he wrote a book on wisdom that ended up in the Bible. Like, that's a big deal, right? Like, man, can you imagine, like, what'd you write? Well, I just wrote a book in the Bible. 
on wisdom. Oh, so you must, you must know a little something about wisdom, right? And then he wrote another love novel. Nice little steamy love novel. <laughs> that also ended up in the Bible. Oh, snap, even God loved it. God was like, oh, snap. <laughs> He's like, slap that in there as well. <laughs> Think about this for a second. Solomon was a best-selling author, y'all. Wealthiest man on the planet. And then he found some time to slide in a song or two in the book of Psalms. So now he's like a Grammy Award-winning songwriter. Solomon's a world leader. World leaders and magistrates came from all over the world to come and meet this man. This man is a winner. And back in the day, you can measure the winners by how many ladies they had. And man, this guy had ladies. He had ladies. 300 wives, 700 concubines. That's just too much. I'm sorry. It's a lot. But you would look at Solomon and you would say, if you saw this man's IG profile, you'd be like, man. Culture would say, man, that guy is a winner. All he does is win, win, win. He had all the fame. He had all the money. He had all the power. He had all the wisdom. He had all the influence. And he had comfort and all the pleasure that any man could ever have. This man was at the top. So you would think, if we're going to ask somebody what it feels like to win, it'd be that guy, right? Right? I mean, if I'm going to ask somebody, man, the stuff that I'm chasing after and that I want, I should ask him what he thinks about that. What does he get out of that? Because you would think, man, it's awesome. I mean, private jets all day, G5s, money out the bank, Trump Tower. I mean, it's amazing. That's what we would expect. But this is what Solomon says. He says in verse 2, he says, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Okay, NLT translation. He says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Hold up, hold up, back up for a second. You won all of this? I mean, you got all of this? And what you're saying to me is that none of it matters? For a guy who got to the top, and I'm sorry, but he did start from the bottom. Remember, this was Bathsheba's son. He, they didn't even think he was supposed to be king. This is the guy who Israel got split up over, right? And now this man who started from the bottom, now he's here, and he's arrived. And it took him arriving to realize that he hasn't arrived. Like, it took him arriving to realize that he didn't make it. He's arrived, but he's back where he started, cycles. That word vanity in the text is the word hevel, which is the word vapor, wind, smoke. He says vanity of vanities. He's saying it's all vapor. Like, you, you, you can see it. You can even feel it. You can smell it. 
but you can't grab it. It's like steam. But I see it though. My bad audio guy. I see it though, but I can't grab it. And it doesn't last long and it disappears. I, I can see affirmation. I see it all the time on TV. I see it all the time on social media, but, and, and, I, and I see the applause and, and I see the I love yous, but some of the most famous people are some of the most lonely. I, I see comfort. Some of us know what that looks like. We chase comfort and so we go and we get that resort and we sip the pina coladas on the side of the beach. And yet we still don't feel comfortable. We're not experiencing comfort. There's something in us that's still uneasy. And for some of us, it's approval. You got promoted. Yes, you got elevated at that job. You got that degree. As Kanye says, degrees after degree. Oh, we don't, we don't talk. Wait, we don't, we don't name him. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, degrees after degrees after degrees after degrees. And, and you can get certification after certification. And you can get promoted. And you can get the dream job. Go to the dream school and do all of that. And you may feel that you've received approval. But all it takes is getting there to realize that once you've gotten there, now you've got to work even harder to have more of it. Now I gotta prove I deserve to be there. Steam, vapor, wind. So you get the accolades, you get the promotion, but it's all hevel. Yeah, I'm gonna chase security and comfort because you know we're gonna work hard, we're gonna save money, we're gonna put it all in our 401k, we're gonna do all of that, and so you work for the next 50 years of your life only to not enjoy any of it in the end. While we all want our lives to matter, for many of us, fam, we've told ourselves that these things are what we're going to obtain in order to experience and to receive fulfillment. But here's the reality, family. The reality is not a single thing on this planet will give your life meaning and fulfillment apart from Christ. There's not a single thing I remember I was winning. All I did was win. And I remember finding myself in the penthouse condo in downtown Miami, driving the nice cars. You know, what we do in our side of town is we wear chains to show like we're winning. <laughs> and we put big rims on our car. You know? It's what we do. I'm sorry. It's what we do. It's what we do. And I had all of that. And I'm, I'm working with the most famous people on the planet. I'm going to the most exclusive parties. And yet there are holes in the wall in my apartment. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I've won, but I'm depressed. I've won, but I'm lost. I've won, but I'm unfulfilled. I tell people, all the time that my claim to fame is I didn't meet Jesus in a church service. I met Jesus in a club. <laughs> I remember I was probably at my end, not the best guy to be around. I was pretty horrible. I was a pretty horrible human being, to be honest with you. And I remember going to a party, famous artist's party, 
It's his birthday and I'm in VIP. You know, that's where all the famous people go. So you hang with all of them. This is what we want, right? This is what I told myself I wanted. And so I chased it and chased it and chased it. And here I am. I got it. And I told myself, you know what? Maybe what's missing, you know what? It's the accolades. That's what's missing. It's the fame. That's what's missing. If I can get the fame, then, then I'll be good. That's what it is. And that night, they decided to say to me, they said, Isaac, this is your night. I said, okay, that could mean a lot of things when you're from the hood. <laughs> so, you know, I, I looked at my manager, I said, you strapped? You know, I just wanted to make sure. And he said, yeah, yeah, I got you. I said, okay, because they said it's my night. I don't know if that's a good thing. And so here I am now. And, and all of a sudden, the hottest DJ in town starts playing my music back to back and the entire club starts shouting out my name. And I said to myself, this is it. I'm there, I finally got it. Vapor. Felt great for about 30 seconds. And it was in that moment at that club that I heard God speak to me. And he said, Isaac, this is all it will ever be. And then I began to see the room. And I saw the brokenness in the room. But then I began to see God's love for the people in that room. And I said to myself, oh, snap. God loves all these wrecked up, messed up, crazy, high, drunk people. And he loves them madly and loves them. I mean, he's, 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 he's crazy in love with them. And then he showed me my brokenness. And he began to expose to me where I was wrecked and messed up. And then he began to affirm me right there. So I'm in this club having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, y'all. And so I'm over here like, have your way, right? And, and all of a sudden I go to the corner and they're probably thinking I'm just like, I'm throwed. That's um, urban vernacular for drunk and high. And so now I'm over in the corner, throwed. And the Lord is just working on me and working on me. I couldn't wait to get out of the club because I got in the car and I couldn't even get home. I hopped out of the car and I said, Lord, my life is not mine anymore. It's yours. See, for a long time, I was stuck in that cycle, chasing for seven years, exhausted, burned out, tired of running and running, only to find out that I got to work harder just to make a little bit more steam. Reminds me of what the winner, I mean, the man who all he does is win, win, win. In verse 14, he says, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun. And he says, indeed, all is vanity, grasping for the wind. He's saying, after everything I've gained, after everything I sought out to find meaning, only to find out that in the end, it's just vapor. It's just wind. He arrived and realized that he never made it. And then he goes as far as saying that even the wisdom itself is vain. That some of us are even telling us there's information I don't have yet. 
So maybe it's a self-help book. Maybe it's a conference. Maybe it's therapy session. It's not to say any of those things aren't good. I want to make sure it's okay. It's okay to win, y'all. Okay? I make sure I'm not saying it ain't okay to win. We all want to win. But if winning is what we believe gives us meaning, something is wrong with that. And he says here that I got all the wisdom in the world. And yet now even the wisdom is making me depressed. He says for in, in verse 18, he says for in much wisdom is much grief and he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. Y'all, did y'all hear that? Okay, um, for all the young folks in here, when, when your parents are telling you do, do, do homework, ready? Throw this verse at them. All right, I just gave you, hey, I gave you ammo, all right? I just gave you some ammo, okay? All right, well, they say, hey, 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 mom, listen, if I get much more information and if my knowledge increases, my sorrow will increase, mom. Mom, do you want me to be depressed? I just exegeted that for you right there, okay? All right, so there you go, you got it, all right? It's yours, all right? You're not inviting me back, you're not. So he says with more knowledge is more sorrow. Wait, hold up. I thought it was a book that I haven't read yet. I thought it was information that I didn't have yet. Chasing wind. And so where do we go from here? Like, because like, at this point you're going, all right, pastor, like I'm, whew, this is rough. You're giving me nothing here. Like, I'm leaving here going, oh, snap, like, it's meaningless. You're going to have folks just on the parking lot just like, I don't even need to go home. I'm just going to just rot right here, right here. It's all over. Those things are meaningless. And I don't have enough time to really go through the entire book with you, so take some time. Because if you're wrestling with this, read through the rest of the book. Because he begins to go on this journey to help you see and understand that maybe the problem is, and I'm giving you cliff note version here, that maybe the problem is, is that we're chasing a destination when God is saying, enjoy what you have right now in the moment. Maybe what God is telling us is rather than chasing this aspirational life, maybe we should live life in its fullness right now, in this moment. It's not something that we're chasing and trying to get to, but maybe there's something to receive right now, in this moment. Maybe life was not a journey of attaining something. Maybe it's already been attained for you. And maybe life is about enjoying what has already been attained for you. Oh, I, if you'd allow me, because I get excited here. Because the wise teacher in this book is suggesting that while you're sitting around establishing goals for your life, maybe what you should consider is that your life is not a pursuit towards something, but rather that life is a life meant to be lived in a reality of what was already pursued and attained for you. And that means then, if it has already been attained for you, through its ups and downs, we are not hopeless. Yeah. 
because we have one who is our hope and glory. Rather than chasing vapors, maybe we need to be reminded that our lives are vapors and that we are called to live under a new reality and a new thing. We break the cycle, if you ask me, with this reality. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 through 14, he says this. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. And this is the part I love. He says, for this is man's all. He, he didn't say this is man's some. He said this is man's all. Like meaning and purpose is there. And if it's man's all, then nothing else can be added to it. It's not church and. It's not God and. It's all of it. To fear God and keep his commandments for this man's all for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether it is good or evil. When I gave my life to Christ, I tell people that it was at that corner that I died. I lost my life there. I said, God, man, I've been chasing everything. Now I don't care about everything that I chased anymore. I'm chasing you. And whatever it is that you want, that's what I want. And if what you want gives me joy or gives me sadness, that's what I want. Because cycles are broken when ambitions change. After getting to the top, is what the author says, that the ultimate purpose of our lives, if you read this text, that the ultimate purpose of our lives is actually to serve him faithfully. That, that's our ultimate purpose. We experience meaning and purpose when we let go and let God. The cycles are broken. There are some of us right now, we, we've been chasing, we've been chasing, and we find ourselves back to where we were, back to what was, back to, and we're going, why am I still stuck in the same place? Some of us, it's, it's that guy. Not realizing there's something else you were chasing and you find yourself stuck to that same place. It's that girl. Some of you, it's financial turmoil because we're looking and we're chasing after something that isn't there, stuck in the same place. And yet what we can learn from this text is true meaning and purpose comes in an ultimate living out of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our lives. How do I know that? Because while we're sitting around pursuing comfort, Jesus left comfort to meet with us. While we were sitting around pursuing power, Jesus left all power to come and to exist among us, to dwell with us. Why? To save us so that we can be in relationship with him. And while we were chasing affirmation and accolade, Jesus made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, became obedient to the death of the cross. Jesus did this, saying this, that I came to do the will of my Father. Jesus like, I'm coming down to do God's plan. You saw what I did there? 
It just, it just happens. It just, it just happens. Not mine, but God's. Paul says this, and I'm closing. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. Fulfillment is when Christ is living through us. When it's God's agenda over our agenda. Maybe you're so stressed out because your plan is not God's plan. It's tough, but it's true. And maybe you find yourself at your wit's end because there's actually nothing there. And God's saying, hey, I am the fulfillment of your life. Jesus came to do the will of his father, relinquished it all for you. And he did that to let us know that we have the power to break those cycles in our lives. So what do we do with that? Simply put as this. Ask yourself the question today. What have you told yourself that you need in order to be happy apart from Christ? Just think about that. Like, like what have you told yourself to say, you know, if I had a little bit more money, then I'll be happy. Or if I finally find my Boaz, <laughs> then I'll be happy. If I find my Rachel, then, then I'll be happy. You know, if I get that promotion, man, when I finally get there, then I'll be happy. Cycles. The way you break that cycle is take whatever that thing is and replace it with Christ. Let the Lord work through you as you journey in that. Say, Lord, what have I put before you? What have I put even beside you? And I promise this, fam, that if you would give it all up to him, you will experience joy unspeakable, peace everlasting, to know that all that needed to be fulfilled was already fulfilled in Christ on the cross. He didn't say it will be finished. He said it is finished. Jesus has paid it all. To God be the glory and let us live that reality. Father, I thank you today as we journey about the day, Lord God, the week and the weeks and maybe the months to come, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would loose us from, Lord, the chains of our own agendas, our own aspirations apart from you, Father. I just pray today, Lord, that there will be those who would reorient their hearts and their minds in total submission to you. Father, I pray for those even wrestling right now, Lord, who are debating and wondering whether or not, Lord, this, even, this is even something they can do. They've been on this ride for this long. They've been doing this for this long. And now they're, th they're going, I, I, don't even, I don't even know like, what that even looks like. Father, I pray even in this moment that you would visit them in the same way that you visit the lost. Father, I pray that you would meet them right where they are and I pray that they would be overwhelmed by your love, your grace, your mercy, and to find true fulfillment and joy in you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, family.